podcast and for me so let's get into that and again like I always say um, when I wrote this book this was never meant to you know disrespect anybody or um, offend anybody it's just my version of what I saw um, you know you know so again this is more of like a it's not really like a chapter um like a chapter chapter per se here it is in a way um it's like a closing chapter and then I have like my take so it's like a chapter and a half so bear with me so here we go and again like I mentioned in my last week's um episode that I'm doing live going forward my episodes will be live just have to bear with me because I'm new to um whole podcast around we got to come to the studio do all this you know with a computer in a dream really it's just my laptop and um my microphone in my room as you see me and uh it's a dog so bear with me all right so this chapter is titled forever explaining and it's like i said it's not as long as um the other chapters but again it's just some words i had to say Black folks have been trying to educate white people, schools, government, presidents, and their peers for a very long time. Somehow, some way, it became our duty to have to explain why racism is bad and why saying the N-word is not a good news. Again, I don't like saying that word, so you're never going to say it unless I'm reading something. The word, that word sidebar, really needs to not be said by any group, to be honest. I have spoken to and came across Hispanics and white people who have 1% black in them and think we hate the past. No, you don't. None, and I really mean no one can truly understand that word and its meaning unless two things happen. One, it is said to use with the ER at the end, not the A. And two, if you read history books and spoke to your elders and learned where and why that word was used so frequently during the 16th century. See, a lot of people think that they are woke. They feel like if they have that first black friend, that they actually know the struggle. Or it is up to that one black friend to school them on black Elonics. And for so long, at least, that I've seen that has happened. It has been that way. Why is it always up to us to tell you when to say this and what not to say that, or to school you on the latest new hip-hop song? For so long, we are forever explaining something while being black, and yet in return, we still get disrespected. White folks don't want to accept the fact that we have style and soul and can dance on beat and have actually contributed to a lot to society. Why is there not a place of acceptance in your heart, more of a feeling of divide and conquer? So many times we lose sight, and once we see a glimpse of that being destroyed, your life is turned upside down. It seems to me that you only need to be educated when it comes to being socially aware on how to offend or not to offend a black person when it is politically beneficial to you. Ooh, my head is crazy. We are forever explaining the injustice that goes on in this world on a daily constant basis. And if that isn't bad enough, y'all are killing us at the same time. The history of books don't give African Americans any credit outside of the back of discussing the Civil War, which we won, Martha King Jr., Rosa Parks, and if you're lucky, Frederick Douglass. And if those four chapters they discuss how slaves who just became free volunteered to go fight in the war, and if that wasn't bad enough, in the fights they would use the young black men as shields on the field when they went into battle, 
So not only did we just get a moment of freedom, literally, now we are forced to fight your fight. Mm-hmm. Because essentially the Civil War was really based on fighting for slavery. So now we are free for about five minutes. You bring us into your war and we get killed the minute we are out there. Because there was no training, these black men were not given the proper equipment to fight. When discussing Martin King Jr. in the history books, at the back of the book, mind you, it discusses the same three things. One, the speech at the White House, I Have a Dream speech, which people try to use in every discussion. His walk across the bridge. And three, his death on the balcony. Now, I may have not paid much attention in history class because it wasn't the truth when I wanted to learn the truth. But I definitely know he did more accomplishments than just those two things that are always listed. During Black History Month, by the way, on TV, they showcase the same two Martin King Jr. movies yearly. Normally comes on either February 27th or February 28th. Now, with Rosa Parks, there's maybe a page or two discussing her accomplishments. And like MLK Jr., it's about two of them. Now, those are one. Now, there are one her boycott in the bus, and two the mugshot for her refusing to get off the bus. And maybe two or three sentences discussing her fight or fearfulness when it comes to disobeying the law. Again, I definitely know she had more legacy to leave than just a mugshot. Her standing up to not getting off the bus led to walks, marches, protests, and eventually sort of some equality for black folks while riding the bus, which is funny to me because when I used to ride the bus, I would see so many of us still sitting in the back of the bus in life that we have the chance to to be up front or even in the middle why are we always stuck in the back there's another point i like to make for a second black folks have died been beaten hung and shot and killed on a daily basis during the 19th century and you need to tell me after all that they have done the fighting marching working and being slaves i still 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 see people black folks sitting in the back of the bus like i said i even heard friends and colleagues of mine say they prefer sitting back there and away from people our ancestors and people before us fought to have our rights equal to white people, especially when riding bus. So that always boggled my mind when I saw a black man purposely walking to the back of the bus and sitting there as if we didn't just have equal rights for years. Lastly, if you get the, the 13th to 15th edition of the American History books that they mentioned in your class, you know which book I'm talking about, Christian College, that 14th edition book they always want you to have. They mentioned Frederick Douglass in their briefly discussing his not just one accomplishment. They may have put a picture up and that's that. During the past year, during Black History Month of 2020, they didn't show any movies and I searched nothing at all. <coughs> and it was a leap year this year. I believe that now people or networks just put the reruns on to showcase the same movies just to save face. Where is originality in Black History? We barely get the full month, it's only 28 days. And every year we are shortchanged it into being squeezed into a month that is barely noticeable. The Super Bowl is in that month, Valentine's Day, as well as Mardi Gras in New Orleans. It's a very busy month, and I sincerely doubt that people will be sitting waiting for Black History News to come on. <coughs> Excuse me again. It is a poise to just give us a little bit or just to be satisfied, just for the time being. There are a lot more people to be discussed, discovered, and honored in that month than just the same thing. Now, there's nothing wrong with honoring these individuals, but what about Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Matt Turner, Angela Davis, Lucy Newman, and so on and so forth? 
or even take it a step further and honor and discuss the musical influence that has contributed to this country. African Americans have a long history of producing beautiful music that transcends throughout different peoples and souls. Mind you, the same artists like Sammy Davis Jr., B.B. King, Temptations, who are my favorite, the Delphonics, these artists and all Don Cornelius's soul dreams. Page stuck. Page stuck, sorry about that. All were during the 1950s and 1980s. They all had to perform and sing for a white crowd because that was what sold. And they were right up there dancing and clapping and buying the records. <laughs> Same goes with NWA. Y'all know which one comes up. When they came out in 1984, by the way, that's a very good documentary. The NWA movie. Very good. I saw it like four times. And I saw it, the first time I saw it was on my birthday because it came out in August. And also, yes, the new edition three-part series, very good, I mean, very good, oh, body I'm getting sidetracked with, but if you have a chance to all home, definitely, definitely watch that, okay, my bad. Same goes with the group NWA when they came out in 1984, and it was classified as a hardcore gangster rap. People bought their CDs and others hated it, but yet they still bought it. The list goes on and on, and what and who the on and outside, during the 28, sometimes 29 times. Black folks have contributed a lot to this country in that month, which why we had to fight and scrap to get beyond me. It means something to the African American community and should be treated as such. We are a group of individuals who are proud and honored to be a part of this country because of how much we know and how much we worked hard for the time and effort to, to get us here and refuse to go back. Forever explaining. What does that really mean? What is it that we must explain to you all the time? Well, it boils down to a few things. Race, quality, and a time and place. There's a time and place for everything and everyone. Equality has been at the forefront of the African-American dreams as far back as I can remember. Because every time there comes a moment of gratitude, or even a time when you feel as if we can see the promised land, no pun intended, it is taken away from us. Freedom for black folks comes in different forms and shapes depending on how you look at it. And who you can ask. Freedom, the word itself, in my opinion, means being free from one's darkest time. I'll say that again. Freedom, in my opinion, means being free from one's darkest time. Granted, the definition goes deeper than my opinion, but as a surface, to me, that is what it means. To be free from one's darkest time, in this case, it's slavery. But slavery still exists. Oh yes, it surely does. It's just not, a, it's just not on the plantation. Speaking of a plantation, by the way, I'm not a fan of the exhibit down in New Orleans that they have. You can visit a tour of plantation house and shack. What in the world does that even mean? Why would I, as a black person, want to go back in time and see how the world treated our ancestors? What's even worse is they have people dressed up in clothes during that time to imitate how it was. My grandmother said she visited it and it gave her the most surreal and eerie feeling. Feeling of sadness and grief overcame her. She said she could feel their presence in the room with her at the moment, and it made her feel sad as she felt and could see the hardships they had to go through. I am a strong believer that you need to put yourself in anyone's shoes first before you really can judge and understand. Which is exactly what my grandmother did and said she believes everyone should experience an experience like that. I am all for visiting things firsthand, but something about going back to a plantation, seeing the big house and the slave shack to me is too real. Slavery still does exist like the devil, 
it has shaped in many different forms for black folks to still live in depression, whether they realize it or not, taking point COVID-19. African-Americans are dying five times more than any other race. Why? Because there are a lot of other factors to play. We have, a, we have a higher blood pressure, commonly found more frequently in African Americans. The stress of yet another disease or virus that can kill us and is killing us and stressing us out. Let me say that again in case you missed it. The knowledge of knowing there is yet another disease or virus that can and is killing us and stressing us out. Black folks have so many higher risks than a white person or any other race. We are also high risk of catching AIDS. Anyone else? So, we as an ethnic race, all black folks have one, high blood, high blood pressure two, HIV AIDS three, stress level is also the level of stress in a black household is severely higher than any other house. One parent household, none to watch babies with the multiple kids, no health care that we can afford, no proper school system to send our kids that we can afford, usually dad is not in the picture so the children grow up not in a stable home. The statistics shows that a young man growing up in a single family home, meaning mentally functioning, is less lower than the average home of two parents. The struggle is different, the structure is harder. The guidance is different, and normally the money situation is completely not existent. In a white household, if there is one parent and dad isn't in the picture, they can spend money on average less money. In a black home, the father is a MIA, and you can never get him to pay child support because he doesn't have the means to pay it either. Most cases, he just leaves the family and never pays for the undertaking to court and make them pay. The legal fees add up, and you are stuck paying that back as well for many years. That ties into when black teens, young men, get wrongfully accused of committing a crime, or even if they commit a crime, the punishment never fits. When their bail is announced, statistically, for black folks, it ranges from $2,000 to $100,000 bail bond. Now, a white person can have that money bond, stuff, trust fund, bankers, investments, daddy. Black family, nine men nine concepts, cannot, I'll say that again, cannot pay their bond for the necessary time. And these young men end up sitting and waiting in jail until a lawyer can help them or they can afford bail. Statistically, shining in a black person home that takes two or three years, we end up having to go to the cash for bonds place and end up taking money out of bail. <coughs> Never is enough for the time we have saved enough money for the first amount, say it's three thousand dollars. You come back and find out that they doubled it and now it's six thousand dollars. So your son or nephew or father or husband has to stay there even longer because the time expired to pay the original amount. You can't afford to keep the original work you had because those fees add up as well. So he gets legal aid. They charge even more. Or most cases are inexperienced. So now you're just sitting and sitting and waiting and hoping that either your bail is paid or your trial is dismissed. But wait, here's the catch. The judge doesn't have any available appointment to see you until five months from now. So now you either have to come up with $6,000 for bail or sit and wait those five months. But who is it to say you will make it those five months in jail or you can make it to the next night? While the terrifying reality that is being black, being black in America, the jail justice system breaks and tears us down. The stress factor in America is way higher than anyone else. And not only the reason I just listen, that the system is built against and not for us, because it is views or weaknesses, uneducated, no money, no skills, against us. Once you're waiting on bail trial and days turn to weeks and which turn into months, which turn into years, you realize how far and how much the justice system has failed you. 
So now you add COVID-19 on top of that with the high blood pressure, the additional stress, and the cases of HIV in the black community. Just hearing those all in the same sentence, this deal with the black community is troubling because it's been this way for years. Nothing has changed. Again, just like many of other things, the systems they are built against the black community. COVID-19 has killed close to at the time. 160,000 people. And CDC gives a total of death that Christmas will be 350,000, which unfortunately we will almost see now. But here's the catch. If Americans, 90% of them, just take the time from now until the school first wear masks religiously, we can save about 70,000 minutes. Now, obviously, people aren't doing that because here we are. If you think about it, while that number may seem low, it is not low to the families that are being saved. This virus is no joke, and a lot of people have died unnecessarily. The country shut down all together at the same time back in March. I believe things would have been a little bit different. Your president, then, has given about a million different mixed signals on how to address the virus, but the bottom line is this, it's deadly. The sooner more people realize this may be even, seven months later, we can put our arms around this virus and save more lives than ever have This is serious and should be looked at as a nationwide thing, not just state to state. We are forever explaining. I'm tired of having to explain everything to everyone on a daily basis. I'm tired of seeing the brothers and sisters over and over again being dead and choked down the streets. It is a constant thing. How many more black young men children have to die before something changes? I don't know if I can do another march or another protest or voice how I feel we feel yet again. Because clearly in the past 11 years since Oscar Grant was murdered, y'all seem to not get it. Our lives do matter, and when we say black lives matter, we are not saying that not all lives matter. We are just saying for what we are discussing here that our lives are not taken as seriously and haven't been since I'm killed. Haven't been since Matt Turner was on and killed. Haven't been since MLK was shot in his hotel haven't been since those four little girls were bonded and going to church on Sunday service. Our lives haven't mattered since Kobe Wallace, the only African-American NASCAR driver found a new standing in his parking lot. People tried to tell him to go That was it. Our lives haven't mattered since we were composed down, had dogs attack us, hung from trees, hunted, and raped the night like cattle, called coons, niggers, monkeys, apes, could only drink out of the colored, dirty water fountain. Got beaten with Billy Club at 17 years old and walked across the beach in Selma. Got food and yelled out while just trying to have lunch with my friends at Woolworth. Our lives haven't mattered since segregation in the 1950s when a young girl was just trying to get an education in Little Rock, Arkansas. And she was yelled and screamed at. The list goes on and on for another 6,000 pages. But the fact remains that this is a story. So, take a little bigger break. That was um, chapter 14, and that was titled Forever Explaining. Um, again, when I mentioned um, four, maybe four chapters ago, some of the chapters that I discussed, some of the chapters that I talked about do kind of get, you know, a little bit, but it really is not to be with an attitude, not to be whatever, it's just to get my point across so you guys can understand you know, my thought process, what I was thinking when I wrote it, so on and so forth. But a lot of times people, you know, when they get passionate about a book or passionate about a chapter or topic, you can kind of feel it, you know, in the book. So hopefully 
that kind of came across with what I was saying. Um, but I um, hope you guys enjoyed the journey with me. I enjoyed reading from my book. I think this is my second time I've read it fully, other than when I first read it. But reading it out loud, having people listening to it, and commenting on it, and stuff like that, it's different. So you never, never, you know, really has that before. But like, it's exciting, you know, to have people want to buy your book and listen to it and feel like, you know, you have something to say, your opinion, you know, matters. <laughs> so, it's a good feeling. But, um, I'm going to read the, I guess, closing chapter um, of the book. Hopefully, you guys listen to it. It's about a page or two. It's not long. You know, usually, I make these like under like 25 minutes, so this probably will go to like half an hour tops. I know it is a Sunday. I know you guys probably don't want to be caught up with reading. I know when I was in school, in my degrees, I'm like, I don't want to read this on a Sunday. <laughs> and teachers always give you um, homework to do over the weekend or homework to do during the holiday, like Thanksgiving weekend. I'm like, but I only have one day off. I know I was coughing during the podcast, so excuse me for that. Alright, so let's just read. It was weird, like, closing the book, essentially. Episodes, previous episodes, chapters, and everything already up on SoundCloud, SoundCloud, excuse me, SoundCloud, Anchor, Spotify, Podcast, Apple Podcasts. You can listen to them, download them for free in the book. The paperback is $12, and the Kindle ebook is about um, $4. So you can download that too as well. Okay, first, then don't do it. Alright, so epilogue. My take on America. My take on America is this. Knock, knock. Wake up. Bottom line is we need to realize that we are not going to get any further unless someone or something changes. By someone, I mean white people. Yes, I am being blunt because racism will not change until white folks look at racism as on. No more being up to us to educate and correct and be accommodating to their needs and feelings. We have to do that for one and for two. And we're still doing it now. Uh, enough is enough. Something has to change. Now I'm not one to put all the pressure because that isn't fair to ask of anybody or anyone. But with this, oh yes, this has to start and be all on you to begin the process. The process of healing the wounds that have been festering in African American for so long. But that means it takes one person to start and address that there is actually a racism instead of trying to ignore it like a president, well, former president. There is racism because there is not any, because if there was not any racism, we wouldn't have had a colored and non-colored water coming back from the schools, buildings, and sitting to the back of us. We can't possibly believe the notion that racism doesn't exist because it does, because those things have happened. Unless you are a believer that all of this was justified as Stephen Spencer has reiterated for many, many years that slavery has made blacks happier 
in this country right now. You don't know who he is, don't waste your time looking him up. You have to stand up for something or you will fall for anything. And that's at its best. And it's one of my favorite quotes. I do believe that there isn't, I, be, I do believe that isn't where racism began. I do believe it started years, decades, centuries before then. Because it didn't just pop up in America in the 1940s. It was here many, many years before then. What are you going to do to set you apart from everyone else? Are you a sheep or are you a wolf? Are you going to follow the rest of the small-minded individuals and just come to the injustice that is this nation? No. Not all of America is racist and not all of Americans feel this way. But ignoring it or saying it doesn't exist just can't happen anymore. Like I said earlier, words have power. If you say things long enough, long and primitive enough, people start to believe that lies are actually true. It isn't true and can't go in, on anymore. Because all we are doing is going backwards, not forward. To go backwards in life means that all the child tribulations that our ancestors have become in vain. That all the deaths and murders and beatings and rapes and hangings are just for show. They have to mean more than that. They have to have a purpose. Everything has to have a purpose and point to happen and not happen. For us to go through and still go through slavery for another 400 years and still have nothing to show for it is insane. And you can't be okay with it. I know I'm not. This is why I decided to write this book because I was exhausted from seeing the same lines over and over and over. Taught in school books, fun conversations, and even in forums, but it wasn't the full truth that followed me. This is how I feel each chapter and point I touched should have played out. There is still more work to be done, and it is up to white folks to educate the young, the youth, on truth, not what you taught. Now, I'm not saying forget my values and morals, but I am saying there are assumptions, there are lies, but there can only be one truth. I'll say that again. There are assumptions, there are lies, but there can only be one truth. That truth must be saved in black lives. Erasing the erasing systematic fairy tale of believing that evil doesn't exist because it does. Just tell the truth. And then, like the last page or so, I have like a thank you page and all the other, you know, thank you stuff, like thanking God and family and stuff like all that jazz. So, okay, we'll be over half an hour, but we'll do it, I promise. But <clears throat> I hope you guys enjoyed this journey that I'm on, um, that I've been on with this book. Even rereading it still gives me chills. I remember each chapter as I was writing it, as I'm reading it. So it's really exciting to, so, you know, go through of guess no way reliving the writing and the structure and the um, creation of the books. I'm real excited about that. But like I said, I'm going to make this too long. Tune in every Sunday at 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. Central, Eastern Standard Time. My Central Eastern Standard Time for the podcast that will be live um, for SoundCloud and Anchor and Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts uh, will be the audio. But to see the visual, as I'll do, that will be up on YouTube and Instagram as well every Sunday. And I know it is after 6.30 because, again, this is my first time doing live, so it took me a bit longer than usual. But going forward, it will be, you know, religiously every Sunday at 6.30. So that's when we say that. So I want to keep you guys from long because that would be great listening, going through my journey, I'm looking at the reviews and hearing your comments and 
concerned. So I appreciate it. It was nice to know that you guys brought with me. Some of the stuff, you know, some of the chapters that I did touch, it was a little touch and go. But again, it's all out of love, never to, you know, disrespect So, as I always say, I hope you guys have a blessed Sunday. Have a blessed week. And as I always say, do something today or do something before. Have a stop today. Okay. Have a great, great evening and stay tuned.